What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name is Ken Swanson. This is the AP Laboratory, uh, a very special edition. Good news, everyone. Craig's not here. So the median age in the group has gone down significantly. In real life, it hasn't, but we don't have to mention that. <laughs> and this show has got infinitely more handsome. Uh, but more on that in a second. But first, joining me as always, find him on Twitter at Chief in Carolina. Matthew Lane, what's going on, my man? Listen, Kent, it's a great day to be a Chiefs fan and especially working with Arrowhead Pride being on this podcast because my favorite member of the Nerd Squad is joining us today, my friend Staggs with the best first name in the world. Buddy, fellow Matt, how are you doing this great evening? <laughs> Man, I'm doing great. Thanks for the introduction. That was, uh, that was heartwarming to even be included in the Nerd Squad. Oh, always. Dude, you you're part of the nerd squad, my man. And it's the both the most handsome Matt in the nerd squad nerd squad. Facts. Uh, the the coolest Matt in the nerd squad. Facts. The my and it it's it's just it's a beautiful day and thank you for filling in. We have it's it's another summer of stags edition. And uh, not, we couldn't be more excited. Not one uh, word of that Matt, is true, but I'm happy to be here. Oh, shut up, stags. <laughs> you just you just you just Stags is filling in for our buddy Craig Stout, who is out Lewis and Clark adventuring his way through the wilderness. He's carving his own trail like a true Renaissance man. He will be back with us next week, I'm sure. But right now, he's out there. He's living in the trees, starting fires with his bare hands. You know, doing typical Renaissance man things. I think he Fash- built a car to take with him. Actually, a fort together for his family to stay in, brewing his own beer, and somehow with the paper clip and some gum. fermentation process, such that. You know, it's he's going to be able to do it over the weekend. Like the the man is just on fire. I mean, there's not anything this man can do to find science. And the best part of this is he's not around for uh for to slow down all this this mad respect. But Stags, I wanted to start the the show off with this because uh you know we haven't had a chance to talk with you since you know camp started. What have been your kind of initial impressions? You can go broad as as broad as you want. What are your initial impressions about training camp, about the preseason so far? Yeah, I, I think Chiefs fans have a good reason to be giddy with uh, where Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill are at this point. Like, it's just silly watching uh, with those guys, Watkins and uh, McColl. Uh, I think those guys are... <laughs> <laughs> there's there's no reason to believe that they're not going to put up just video game numbers and yes, I've been working on the pronunciation there, uh, unlike uh, Kent. I I need the work. I keep getting dunked on on social media because I can't get McColl's name right. I feel really bad. My favorite thing is people get after you for that, but they didn't catch on that you called Brendan Daly, Brandon Daly forever. Uh, it's a position like, coach. Nobody picked up on yeah. that. <laughs> but the McColl yeah, Mikol no, I, I need to work on my my diction. I guess I don't know. But that hair flip game is on point. Unfortunately, there is no live stream tonight, you guys. We are sorry. <laughs> Craig is our live stream guru, and even he was flummoxed this last time. So we were not willing to tackle that ourselves. But Kent had a pretty <laughs> impressive hair flip going on right now. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's it's really working today, fellas. It's glorious. Okay, let's uh, let's so jump other, into, let's uh, jump into the mailbag questions here. Oh, did you have something, Stag? Sorry. 
Man, you ask for my camp impressions and you stop after Mahomes. I mean, I guess, I guess it's a. Oh man, I'm sorry. That's not a bad, that's if you not got a bad more, go ahead. Stop. No, Mahomes I mean, is all that matters to Kent. So, <laughs> I, he's not wrong. So, <laughs> so it, promising stuff out of the rookie class this year. Maybe unlike uh, I don't know previous draft classes. Uh, I, I do think the. <laughs> It seems like the Spagnolo uh, defense is coming around. Um, I definitely seeing some some promise out of some guys that were that seem to be out of position or at least a, a step slow in the last year or two, given their fits and prior schemes. So I'm happy to see the fit seems to be coming. Uh, seems to be working in the first preseason game at least. They were pretty sound tackling. Uh, they seem to have their assignments down for the most part. Uh, so it seems like the the defensive install is going well so far. Uh, definitely excited about this year's rookie class uh, and, and maybe a couple holdovers from last year. Doesn't seem like there's a lot of positions up for grabs roster spot wise. I mean, there's everybody's putting out their 53 man rosters and they're all the same within what three players. So uh, definitely yeah, going to be a, roughly, a, you know, some competition there, but but not a lot of actual jobs up for grabs. So no, just a couple things I've been. Uh, you got anything? Yeah. You got anything else? Me? I have no. I'm no I have no more camp takes right now, Kent. Okay. Well, I asked. I probably should have just. Yeah, I probably should have just asked Matt in general, and I would have got answers out of both of you. Let's go ahead and start answering some of these questions. Uh, we've got some from the Gmail account, some from the five star reviews, some from Twitter. It's a it's a pretty good mailbag today. We got to start with our pal Abby, who we told was uh, was welcome to ask questions anytime. Abby's our twelve year old pal who listens with her dad, and she emailed into apnerdsquad at gmail and she asked a two part question to to me: Who do you hate more, Cam Irving or Tom Baby? I don't hate I don't hate Cam Irving honestly. I don't think he's particularly good, and he's looked pretty bad so far in camp and. In the game, he had one of the worst reps at left tackle of the entire day uh, on Saturday. So that wasn't great. One of? One of. It, he had several. He might have had several. <laughs> Tom Brady, uh, I'm not even going to dignify Tom Baby with the response right now. That man's on his way out. So it's, it's, the, it's the Mahomes era. Okay, go. I have a follow-up. Who do you hate more, the GOAT Brady or Kirk Cousins? <laughs> Kirk Cousins. It's not even close. That dude is the most overplay, overpaid uh, player in the National Football okay, League. He is absolute up. butt cheeks. Will you agree that he's the most overpaid player in the NFL when Dak gets $40 million a year? No. There's a new, <laughs> there, there'll be a new champion. Dude, the, the Vikings would be better with, uh, with Ted Bridgewater right now in extra cap space. I'm just going to say. Okay, Maddie, part two of this question. Uh, does the Meekle Jar... The Mikul slander jar start in the preseason. If so, your mal- your wallet might be crying. <laughs> I uh, I will I say thought, you've done a pretty good job of being chill on Mikul lately. I thought maybe so it was I've a Mikul mispronunciation jar. So yeah, we there need might, one of those too. I need that. <laughs> we need a we need a Mikul and hair flip jar for Kent. But no, my <laughs> slander jar it's it's stayed pretty dry lately. I've done a good job, I think, of backing off because here's the thing. Things are happening with the Chiefs. McColl's been out there. He's been actually playing, and I haven't got to see it until this past weekend. So I kind of backed off saying anything, and I caught a little bit of flack this weekend after the game for saying we saw McColl, and he was exactly who we thought he was. He was very fast. 
He didn't do a lot besides run very fast when he wasn't being contacted. He was still very effective. He played a very good game that way, but he did exactly what his tape showed he could do already. Like He didn't prove anything to me yet. Now, as the preseason goes on, my slander jar is probably going to turn into a slander trough. I just imagine it right now. I can see it getting bigger and bigger. Uh. Because here's the thing. I still don't think that he's going to be ready to be a full, complete wide receiver this year. And I, people do not like that thought process. Yeah. You know, I, he doesn't I, have to I, be. And that's it. Yeah, I agree. Right. He doesn't have to that's, be. That's exactly right, Stax. Like, that's exactly the point. He doesn't have to be. He can still be productive. He can still do some things. But, I mean, I let's let's pump the brakes on, you know, he's, he's going to be a, a full-time – guy that can you know do everything that Andy Reid wants out of this offense like he's gonna be a a niche player and the speed traits gonna be what plays well and shameless plugging I'm working on a wide receiver article from this preseason game coming up here on Arrowhead Pride and just watching Byron Pringle and McCole Hardman they both played really good games if you gave McCole Hardman Byron Pringle's route running he would have five six yards of separation on all the vertical routes that Byron yes. Pringle was running Byron Pringle was still getting separation vertically but he's doing it because he's fast, but not McColl fast, but he's a good route runner. If McColl could run routes like him, understand leverage, he would have easy wide open throws all game long. And he's going to get there. He could get there. It's quite possible he does that. He's just not there yet. And I think it's a long way for him to get there. But like Stag said, he doesn't have to be that. You saw him be super effective. And with Tyree Killback, he doesn't need to be a complete wide receiver. So I'm more than willing to admit that. It's just I don't think that makes him a good wide receiver when he can be useful in a limited role, even if it's super useful. Okay, let's uh, go ahead and jump into some of the five-star review questions you guys had. We'll start with Gary two, uh, Gary 82880. He wanted to know... Kent stealing my segments... Uh, how is how am I stealing your segment? The five star reviews are my segment, Kent. Is the one thing I'm allowed in this podcast. <laughs> I can't put anything on our rundown sheet. I'm barred from it. I get the five star reviews and nothing else. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. I'm stealing your thunder. Do you want to read the questions, Matt? Gary eight two eight eight zero. My question <laughs> for the five star review is how to get those on field tickets, or is it just season ticket holder options kent well uh it's i think it's basically just season ticket holder options i think there's some ways that you can kind of accrue enough points to do that fun story i had uh season tickets a couple of years like in 2012 and 2013 and i got enough to hold the american flag for the chiefs broncos game uh where no sean cried i think it was the one where no sean cried and uh, I was yelling at Wes Walker and saying he was my wife's height. And, uh, uh, oh, Trenton Holiday uh, acknowledged me. I was being really kind of obnoxious and told him not to fumble, and then he did. So, whatever. Uh, did you have a lot of fun that 2012 you season? You want to know something? It was sneakily, like, actually <laughs> a lot of fun, even though they were terrible. And it was mostly just us, like, ag- ag- like laughing in our own pain and <laughs> making fun of Romeo Cronell drops. Like one of my friends made a mixtape of all these like Romeo Cronell drops and like mixed them into songs like Here Comes the Boom and stuff. <laughs> like, I mean, boom, here comes the boom. Like all these, like it was amazing. <laughs> he had a whole thing. I got to go find that. I'm going to have to ask him for that. Maddie, do you want to keep reading the five-star review questions or can I can I come back to narrating this? 
Lil Breeze, 35. Do y'all think Jordan Lewis could be a trade target? I've watched him since Michigan, and he's the Cowboys CB4 right now, and low-key could probably be our cornerback one for not very much. We've talked about this a little bit. I think Jordan Lewis is kind of a guy that Craig's talked about. I like him too. I think he's limited to the nickel based on his size, but I think he would fit Spag's system perfectly. I've been a huge Jordan Lewis fan going back to his Michigan days too, so if we could steal him from them, I would love to. It just sounds like he's kind of balling out this year and finally taking that next step. I don't know if you have any takes on Jordan Lewis there, Stags. Yeah, I mean, we got a lot of nickel corners in Kansas City right now. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I could definitely see them going after a corner. It was certainly – I heard somebody on Twitter, I think, say that uh, the Chiefs actually have a lot of depth at cornerback. They just don't have a lot of starters. Uh, and so I, I, could <laughs> see, I, I could see them actually making a move there. But I, I would definitely Preach. want a, a front-line guy on the outside uh, if I had – if I had my choice there, I'm not sure we'll get it one, but, but there's, there's definitely should be interest in one. Yeah. I mean, I think Fuller played a little bit better in preseason week one. He's looked really bad in camp. Uh, and Spags did say they need a backup nickel, but like, I feel like Lewis might push Fuller for the starting nickel, honestly, at this point. So, uh, I mean, maybe they go and address another nickel. Maybe they just let Mark Fields go in there and thrive as the, uh, as the backup nickel. That wouldn't be a bad idea either. I thoroughly so speaking, enjoyed watching Fields on Saturday night. Like that that guy can yeah. play. Yeah, no, I think Mark <laughs> Fields was kind of everyone's favorite cornerback on the field from that game just because he makes plays on the ball. Like he had a couple plays that he gave up catches in the second half, but he actually plays the ball and he plays it well. And I think everyone sees that. He just has to pick it up and I think he'll be set. Alright, so moving on. This is a perfect segue here to Jamie Muma's question. Based on the depth chart at the receiver position and the lack of a true number one corner, if you were the Chiefs, would you consider trading Tyree Kill for Jalen Ramsey straight up, Stags? You know, I've often said I would consider trading anybody on the roster not named Patrick Mahomes. Uh, I'm not sure that this deal makes any sense for either side, uh, so I don't think it's uh, I, I don't think it's a likely option. Um, I, Ramsey would obviously change a lot on the defense and. You know, you could you could get by without uh, without Hill on this offense. It was still not the same offense without Hill, though. So, I, I would lean towards no. Uh, but if there's any player that would be tempting, Ramsey's probably that guy. Yeah, and I think for me, most of the time, I would lean towards a cornerback being more important than a wide receiver. They're very close when you're talking cornerback one, wide receiver one. But for this particular team, with Patrick Mahomes, with it being an offensive first team. And just Tyreek Hill's special speed combined with Patrick Mahomes' arms, there's nothing I don't think in the NFL that I'm trading Tyreek Hill for as long as they believe that he's not going to get in any future trouble. He's just going to be that important to the offense opening up everything else. And Jalen Ramsey is on the fringe of being a trade anything but a quarterback for territory for me. I think he's that good. I know he had a little down year last year, but you can put Ramsey on any receiver tied into the league and he's going to hold his own any given play in any system. But Tyree Kill just does so much more than just his own stats for the offense that I would have to say no. Yeah, I think I think part of the reason this offense is what it is is because of what Tyree Kill is. And I, I think it would be hard to remove him from the, from the formula. And, I mean, I, they, they'd still have a lot of success and they'd still be really good without him, but, like, it's different. He draws so much attention 
he is so dynamic and he is so unique down the field, particularly with Mahomes. Like I just, I, there's not very many guys I'm trading Tyreek Hill for. I, I mean, I don't know how many. I it might there might be none. I mean, that, that's not true. Like if, he, if Aaron Donald, I guess. Like, <laughs> but the the list is not very long. You're right. I mean, you're right, Maddie. This that's just not a very long list. All right, so we have another five-star review from my favorite review ever, Swanson's Buffant again. <laughs> I really hope somebody goes with Swanson's 10-star Buffant next just because it is that <laughs> fantastic. But the question reads, with the reports from Craig and others that Carlos Hyde has been thoroughly unimpressive at camp, what are your thoughts on the sausage being used in 11 personnel if the younger guys can't pass, protect, and spell Damien? Hashtag sausage fest. I'm here for the sausage fest hashtag. We need more of that. Anthony Sherman always somehow ends up being wide open and helping the team. But Carlos Hyde's a good pass protector. There's no reason to force Anthony Sherman out there. As much as we want to dog on Carlos Hyde for being a little sluggish, for not being the most dynamic runner, he still is a running threat because he does have good vision. He does know how to run the football. He's a capable catcher. And his pass protection is going to be just as good as Anthony Sherman's is because he's put in that position a lot more. Yeah, it's 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 a hard pass for me on this uh, on this idea. I mean, I, as much as everybody wants to to get rid of Carlos Hyde, I, I'm with Maddie here. I think he's I think he's running back too, whether you like it or not, and and he's not going anywhere. Uh, I I liked the the featured back Anthony Sherman, like in the brief time that we saw it with Mahomes uh, against Denver, <laughs> like that that was awesome, but. It, it's just not uh, sustainable in the regular season. It's it's just it's not a recipe that that works. I don't think. Yeah, I I it's 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 a sweep here. It's a sweep here. And honestly, like give Carlos Hyde a little bit more time. There's there's a month left until the season starts. Let's see what he looks like. Let's see what Della McCullough and and uh, and uh, Eric Bieniemy pushing on him. Let's see let's see what happens the next few weeks before we get too worried about him as well. All right, here we got A. McNair. What position is your biggest concern for giving up the most yards and why? You can't say the position of cornerback. Man, taking this question with both hands behind my back here without being able to talk about corners. You know, I I think... (laughs) So I'm more confident in the linebackers than I was last year. I'm, I'm a lot more confident in the safeties than I was last year. So I guess I guess I'm going to have to say, uh, running against the the interior defensive linemen. Uh, I mean I, I think they're full. I think Nadi's fully capable against the run. Uh, Jones, you know, is maybe that's maybe his a little bit of his weakness. So there, you might see some yards up the middle, especially when they're putting those NASCAR packages on the field and mix it in with uh, uh, Tano and and Breland inside things like that. Uh, so, so I'm going to say interior defensive line, for lack of uh, a cornerback answer here. Yeah, this is interesting because I'm kind of with you. Without getting to say cornerback, nickel cornerback, or any variation of cornerback, I feel pretty confident about this defense being solid. But if I'm going to limit it to the most yards, I'm going to go linebackers. I think outside of Darren Lee, you still are struggling to match athleticism of opposing tight ends and running backs with. Reggie Ragland, Anthony Hitchens, 
even Damian Wilson, who I think's played well and seems like the Chiefs like him a lot. It's just it's not the most athletic linebacker group. So when you end up against teams like the Patriots that are going to get their fast, shifty running backs matched up with linebackers, I still don't feel great about them. It's going to be requiring safeties, cornerbacks, other positions, or the scheme to win to really slow those guys down. So I think that's where I'm going to have to go. Now, I will say, if Frank Clark gets hurt, I'm really worried about the pass rush because I did not like what I saw out of our defensive ends. I know that Okafor and Emmanuel Ogba didn't play, but if you have to get Braylon Speaks or Tano Passanio playing real snaps at defensive end, I think you're going to be in for a world of hurt from your outside pass rush. So I'm going to try to just give a Maddie answer just for fun because Maddie's doing my job, so I'm going to do his. Well, technically the safeties will be involved in the biggest pass plays given up, so I will go with the safety position on a technicality. Next. Kent, the pass rush is also involved in those plays. You want to rethink your Maddie answer? No, it's a technical thing. <laughs> you should have gone. The real Matty answer would have been to answer Patrick Spe- Mahomes because he scores too fast. Yeah, that would have been a good one too. Or like special teams. <laughs> it's the special teams, guys. I'm one hundred percent not a few sure. yards this week. Yeah. <laughs> I'm one hundred percent not sure if this is a five star <laughs> review question, but Isaac Byhell asks. What are your predictions for each division in the NFL from first to last? But Kent made an executive decision. He decided we're just picking the winner from each division because that is a lot better uh, podcasting than listing off a ton of teams three times. So, Kent, you are up first with the winner of the AFC West. Uh, The Raiders. Next. (laughs) I believe you would be disqualified. Guys, come on. Patrick LeVon Mahomes by himself. Next. Quarterback wins. All right. I got the AFC (laughs) South. I'm going to pick the Indianapolis Colts because I don't trust the Houston Texans to block me as a pass rusher currently. So AFC North Stags, who are you taking? So obviously the uh, pick of the day, everybody wants to talk about Cleveland at this point. Uh, Definitely the offseason winners. Uh, I'll believe it when I see it. So I – I'm a little skeptical on them yet still. Uh, so I'm going to go with Pittsburgh, now unencumbered with uh, Brown and Bell. Uh, maybe there's a little revitalization going on in in the uh, River City up there. Imagine being in Pittsburgh for like seven years now and not getting frostbite once, but as soon as you move to Las Vegas, Oakland, frostbite, <laughs> day one. <laughs> All right, kid, AFC East. This is a, this is a tough division. Uh yeah, uh clearly. Are you gonna uh, do this Dolphins, for every answer? Uh, are... No, <laughs> okay. just the two obvious ones. I mean, the, I I tried to I tried to be an unselfish teammate here and take the easy ones in the board. The so. NFC. Tom. All right, moving on to the NFC. I got the NFC West. I think it's still the Rams, but I think the Seahawks are a sneaky contender to really push them. I'm not going to be shocked if the Rams take a step back this year, just as teams attempt to figure out how to slow down McVay a little bit more, and Jared Goff is. Jared McGoff. Go on, Kent. Jump in. You're biting. You're hey, biting at the bit. Do, do, you know, do you know who gets last in the NFC West, Maddie? Will the Arizona Cardinals get last? No. The no. 30. The San Francisco 33ers. Yeah. All right. um, the NFC South Stags, you're up next. So, pretty obvious answer here with the New Orleans Saints. Uh, probably Drew Brees' last good year. Uh, that. That's still a good team, a team to be reckoned with. I, I think they're 
they're going to be a contender until they're not. Uh, the rest of that division is anybody's guess at this point. So uh, safe and easy answer with the Saints. I can't curveball NFC East. Go. You jerk. <laughs> I I had a I was gonna dunk on Kirk Cousins because I was supposed to have the North, but uh, fine NFC East. Uh, give me Dallas. They'll figure it all out. It'll be tumultuous, but they'll figure it all out. All right, and then for the NFC North, Kirk Cousins is going to lead the Vikings to a solid 13-win <laughs> season and march into the playoffs as he's a better quarterback than Dak Prescott. Well, uh, we're going to end this uh, this segment on that terrible take, and we will be back right after this. Now it's time to answer your questions from Twitter. So we'll start with your segment 2018. <laughs> yeah, no, Maddie, thank you for relinquishing the, uh, the, uh, the, the moderation over back to me. I appreciate it. And Russell 2018 asks, yeah, right. Finally, uh, Tano taking lots of first team reps at training camp looked better in the first preseason game than he did in the past. What does it all mean? Maddie? So I'm sure someone's going to come at me with needing a Tomo swear barrel after this. But here it is. <laughs> There's been a lot of love for Tano Passanio from camp because he's getting run with the ones. He played in this first preseason game with the ones. But what did he do? He had a sack when it was late in the first half when the Bengals were 100% passing the play after play on deep dropbacks. That was it. He did nothing else. He can't play the run. His pass rush plan is non-existent. He looks the best when he's playing three-tech or a defensive tackle when it's just another pass rushing down from the interior. But they have so many guys that can do that. I'm just not sure what Tano's fit is right now. He's a guy that has unlimited physical upside. Like, it's there. If he starts to get it, he's got the perfect body type and some athletic traits to be a good player. But we're going on to the third year now where he just doesn't develop the most basic part of a pass rusher, which is a plan. He does the same thing every single play. He's trying to rip through with the inside arm with a slight bend. And if the rip doesn't work, he just gets run up the arc. And it takes him a good two seconds to identify a run coming to his side that he's easily sealed by wide receivers or tight ends without even having to get a pulling offensive lineman out to him. I'm just not sure where you can put Tano on this team to make a huge impact unless you're using him as a sub package rusher on the inside but I'm not sure he's better than Breland Speaks, Chris Jones, Colin Saunders, or anybody else they already have. So it's just he's kind of a man without a place right now in this defense. Man, scathing. <laughs> yeah. What I was thinking when I saw Tano was, you know who it reminded It looked like Alan Bailey when Alan Bailey got some of those edge reps last year. Like that that's what I saw. I mean, I, I really think, yeah, him and Speaks are both more are better suited on the inside. Uh, he's getting reps because people have been hurt. He's getting first team reps because he's a veteran, uh, you know, that's been here, uh, and they're rotating everybody because it's camp and that's what they do. You know, he's not getting first team reps because he's you know necessarily earned them. Uh, you know, I I have always had high hopes for Tano. I just you're right. I, I don't see it on the edge, uh, and I don't know if there's enough snaps to go around on the interior. You know, and I think. Yeah, do, you, do you have more? Oh, sorry. Well, I was just going to say, I was like, you know, you think about, 
you know, like even early on, it was we're trying to figure out what to do with him. Uh, he's a smart guy. You know, like they, I, they, I think they're still trying to figure out what to do with him. And I don't know how clear of a path he has to playing time and to uh, real opportunities here. Honestly, like I still, I still struggle. I, 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 I came away relatively un, uh, underwhelmed by him. Honestly, uh, on Saturday, the same too. I still don't think he's going to be able to hold up in the run game. I still think he has a hard time playing with consistent leverage, and he gets stood up a lot. Um, and well, it, it is. It's a, it's a struggle to try to figure out a plan for him. Are you wanting to take away, you know, s- snaps inside and in, in in rush situations uh, when the games matter? Are they still just trying to figure out a plan for him? Like, what what are the purpose of him getting reps? You know, even inside in those rush situations, I think they're trying to figure out what to do with them. I think they're trying to potentially showcase them. And I think, you know, I think there's something to be said. One of the things that Spax talked about is he's a smart guy. Maybe they just, maybe he knows what to do at this point and they're just kind of waiting, you know, until some of these guys catch up. Like, I think Colin Saunders got some reps with the ones this week, you know, got some reps inside uh, today, I believe. So, I mean, it's definitely something to monitor here. And uh, I, I, I'm still, I, I'm not overly optimistic about Tano at this point. So Cal well, yeah. 11, oh, go, sorry, Maddie. Oh, I was say, I can go all the way back to my scouting report on him coming out. And it's just, he pro- plays the best when he's in a wide nine, but he doesn't have the speed or the burst that you need from a wide nine edge rusher. So he can't bend enough or get off the line quick enough to really threaten the edge when he's playing out wide. But at the same time, you can't put him inside because like you said, he struggles to get leverage. And unlike somebody like Chris Jones, who's almost equally as long, he plays with a little bit better pad level, but he has more sand in the pants. He's a little bit more powerful through the core and the lower body that he doesn't get pushed around, whereas Tano gets beat up on the outside, let alone on the inside. He's just a weird guy that has this great-looking football body, but he doesn't have a position because he's too big to play outside, not strong enough to play inside, and he just kind of gets lost in the whole thing. He does have a position. I mean, he's he's really good when completely unblocked uh, in closing on the quarterback. So if they can just <laughs> do that with him every time, then I, I, I think yeah. I think uh, I think he'll be successful. I can't think of a more menacing unblocked linear player than throwing over six foot seven Tano. I mean, you're not wrong, buddy. SoCal eleven eighty six. I thought this was an interesting question based on some of the stuff we talked about recently, Maddie. Short slants still appear to be a problem. Am I wrong? Where is the weak link, linebacker, cornerback, or safety? So I'm not even sure it was as much of the slant as it was just little hitches from tight ends or guys in the slot. But I, the same concept still stands. These short underneath passes were eating the Chiefs up in this preseason game. But it's preseason game one. The Chiefs aren't going out of their way to stop these five, seven-yard slants and hitches. The Bengals were going out of their way to run those, these one-read plays over the middle, where it's going to be a little bit softer because it's a preseason game trying to evaluate players. Let it get farther into the preseason before you get concerned. Probably let it get a couple weeks into the regular season. If the Chiefs are still getting eaten up by slants and these little short middle-of-the-field passes and they're not doing anything to adapt to stop it, then you start to get worried. But until you see them make these calls, you start seeing safeties buzz down. You see linebackers shoot out into the flats trying to get underneath the slant and they can't do it, then get concerned. But if it's just preseason and they're not trying to stop them, don't worry about it yet. And if yeah, those if those short passes are the Achilles heel of the defense, I, I think they're going to be okay, right? If that's 
if that's uh, if that's the worst thing that happens, that they give up some some short slants, I, I think they're going to be all right. It does bring up an interesting question though, where it says, you know, what's the the weak link? And maybe I'm just thinking of this more broadly. The what's the weak link? Linebackers or corners? I, I think we can all agree it's not safety anymore. Uh, no, on the defense, uh, you know. They've done a lot at linebacker. They've they've shuffled a lot of players in there um, that we think have some promise, and we think that the scheme is going to bode well for for the linebackers. Uh, but linebackers and coverage could still be an issue, right? And uh, you're not wrong. And I think those I think the guys like Darren Lear to help are here to help potentially you know solve some of that and more of the obvious passing down situations. But like. I mean, if like a team wanted to go into, you know, if the, if if the Patriots go play in base again, I mean, the Chiefs are going to have to either adjust their personnel or you're going to have to trust Hitch and Raglan and Damian Wilson to cover out of heavier personnel. And I, I'm not, I don't feel great about that. Sure, granted, the the personnel of the of the Patriots might be a little bit more modified, but like, I mean, the Chiefs are probably going to adjust if that's the case. Uh, AC Rocker asks. You have to choose one of the following for a backup tight end. Blake Bell, Dion Yelder, Tony Gonzalez, but with one hand. That's Falcons great, Tony Gonzalez. Uh, or trade or sign a guy off the street, Stags. So I, I've been on the belldozer train for a while now. Uh, and <laughs> I, think, I, think he sh- I think he showed out pretty well in this preseason game. You know, I... They're, they're not great options. I mean, Tony Gonzalez with one hand, uh, guy off the street, uh, Yelder and, and Bell. I, they're, they're probably pretty equal, but those four options. I think I do think Bell and Yelder were actually really equal in a lot of ways in the way they played on Saturday. Uh, you saw a couple things out of each, a couple weaknesses out of each. Um, you know, I think those guys are probably pretty even at this point. Um, both are seem to be playing special teams a lot and, and to, with some effectiveness there. So I, I'm not particularly worried about the position anymore. If it's one of those two guys, yeah, I think they'll be okay. Yeah, and I've said this before and I'll say it again. If I could sign Skinny Gronk off the street, I would, but I think that the Patriots still own the rights to his contract. So unfortunately, that option is off the table. I'm with Stags here. Blake Bell, Deion Yelder were pretty much equal from this one single game. I think our live stream after the game, our post-game stream got cut off before we could answer our tons of Blake Bell questions because everybody wanted to talk about him after the preseason game. I think he was good. I think Deion Yelder was good. Both guys dropped the pass. Deion Yelder may have dropped two, played, made plays on special teams. So they were pretty much even for me. Blake Bell looks a little more athletic than Deion Yelder. Just based on that one game, he seemed to run a little bit smoother. Both are good blockers. Both made good plays, smart plays. So either one I'm okay with. I would lean towards Blake Bell just because, like I said, I think he's a little better athlete right now. I liked what I saw out of Blake Bell more than I liked what I saw out of Deion Yelder when I was out of training camp. Now, granted, I didn't get to see as many practices as some other people have, but... Uh, Blake Bell made a nice catch on a kind of wide middle route up the field, splitting middle field coverage. Uh, I believe Damian Wilson was the guy chasing him. Uh, and Or split safety coverage, sorry. And I think Damian Wilson changed it. It might have been two-man. I don't know uh, what it was exactly. But 
uh, nice catch up the middle. Uh, and I, you know, I, I I would tend to lean on Blake Bell more than I would on Dion Yelder at this point. Uh, but I could see, honestly, I could see both making it just because of the special teams value. I think, you know, Dion Yelder got some reps on special teams last year, uh, depending on how the rest of the roster shakes out. Maybe they keep three tight ends and they lean on both of those guys on, on special teams. Brandon, 422. Oh, sorry, Stags, you got more? I was going to say, for, for those of us desperately hoping that John Lovett gets a spot on the roster, maybe now uh, that opens up and, and they actually keep both Bell and Yelder as opposed to one of those guys and, and finding a way to keep Lovett. Yeah, the mystery IR seems... And it's not even a mystery. He's got a, a shoulder injury that just might linger all the way into September, I guess. I You know, who knows? <laughs> maybe. Broken toenail, guys. I, you know, I got to get out, but... <laughs> Uh, Brandon422 asks, if I said illegal block in the back, who is the first chief, current or past, that you are thinking of first? Demetrius Football. And it's sad to say because I'm a big Demetrius Harris fan. <laughs> but there's been a few too many big returns where he got a penalty. And I'm sure some have been holds. Others have been blocks in the back. And not all of them have been very quality blocks in the back. They've been very nitpicky. But he just jumps to my mind because mostly because fans don't like him, so they bring it up over and over again. But he's had a few too many in his career with the Chiefs. Yeah, I mean, Harris is the obvious answer there. Um, you know, we were just talking about his two replacements that will be spending a lot of time blocking. Uh, so hopefully there's not a new answer to that question. Uh, but he's certainly the one that, <laughs> that I thought of, too. Man, I I'm I'm not even like I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to think about like if there was like a Dante Hall return or something that just got called back infamously on a block in the back or something like that. I just can't think of one. Uh, too bad Reggie Bush never played for the Chiefs. <laughs> yeah, no, too bad, right? Uh, yeah, I can't think of anybody else. Uh, anybody? My answer is anyone that put their hands up and pretended like they didn't do it afterwards. How about that? Uh, Irish KC Chief asks evaluate Colin Saunders performance against the Bengals. I called him Colin guys. I'm getting better. I got to just get McColl down, but uh, evaluate Colin Saunders performance against the Bengals. He looked off or was I missing something? He played late in the game, which I think was your first sign of kind of where they were trying to get him some reps. They were trying to give him as many reps as possible, and they did push him down the list a little bit. Now it sounds like he's rotated in this week, starting off in camp with the ones a little more, but he didn't jump off the film to me. He was playing against guys that are fighting to make the roster, and I don't think, not even that he wasn't dominant, just he didn't even really have any flashes to me that I saw on my quick go second pass through. So not that he played bad, he just didn't flash to me, and I think that's expected. He's a guy coming from a small school. Yeah, he played really good at the Senior Bowl and flashed a lot in practice, but he's still coming from a really small school. It's going to take him some time to get up to speed. He's getting himself into NFL shape. He's got to refine his game a little bit to not just be the most athletic player on the field every single snap before he's ready to really contribute. Yeah, I think getting in game shape there might be as important to him as, as learning technique and playbook. He certainly has a little ways to go probably there. Um, and yeah, just level of competition is such a drastic jump. You're right. I, I wouldn't expect a lot from him. I didn't. I didn't see a lot either. Certainly seemed like a guy that was going kind of right into right into blocks and 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 not moving too much. So um, 
there's still hope for him. It's certainly very, very early in his career. But, um, yeah, I think working with the trainers there and the, <laughs> the defensive line coaches, he'll, he'll come around. Yeah, I, I didn't see a ton out of Colin even when I was at camp. Uh, and, I mean, that, again, I, I agree with, you know, both Matthews. That it's it's expected. They're small guys. They're small. They're, they're small school small school guys. Sorry. The thing that I keep hanging on to with a guy like Colin Saunders is I think he's got the right mentality. I think he's got the right makeup. I really like some of the raw traits that he displayed at the Senior Bowl. Uh, some exceptional balance for a man is man his size. I think he's going to put it all together. It just might take him a little bit longer. But once he does, I think he will be very effective on a lot of the stunts and twists that, that Steve Spagnuolo wants to run. And so um, I think he could be a valuable piece once he kind of gets caught up to speed. I'm not too stressed about it yet. I wouldn't look into it too much. The raw traits are still very enticing, and I think he's going to wind up putting it together when it's all said and done. Brett and Howard asks, "There's a lot of rest. There's a lot of rotation along the defensive line in Game One. Plus, we were missing two starting defensive ends. Uh, what do you see the regular season starting D line in the various packages, and who rotates in, uh, and where on a regular basis?" Matthew. All right. So the base defensive line, I think, is going to be Frank Clark, Chris Jones, Derek Nadi, and Alex Okafor. I'd be surprised if it's anything but that. That being said, I wouldn't be overly shocked if especially against teams that like to do power run game that Chris Jones came off the bench for Xavier Williams a lot more or in early downs just for the simple fact that if you're going to run directly at Chris Jones, you can have a little bit of success. If you're the Chiefs and you're limiting his snap counts, you might want to keep him off the field on first and 10 or second and third and short in honor of a bigger, stouter player versus the run. And then as you kind of dive into second and third and long, you're going to get a lot of Breland Speaks, uh, probably some Colin Saunders, maybe even some Emmanuel Ogba rotating in at defensive tackle. I really hope they hard commit to Breland Speaks at D-tackle because I really would not mind seeing him get even some early down work versus the run or possible run or pass downs on the defensive tackle spot. I think he looks decent at defensive tackle and such limited reps. He comes off the ball a lot better there and plays with power. Ogba's going to be, I think, your third defensive end. He'll play some D-end, but I think he'll be the kind of first true D-end to rotate to the inside over Clark or Okafor as well. Yeah, Colin Saunders seems to me like he'll he'll be a game day inactive, maybe at least early on in the season. So he might not even be part of the rotation. I think they'll work him in, uh, but I could certainly see him being that extra – uh, defensive lineman that, that's not even active on game day and the rotation really being strongly amongst those those base starters and then with Speaks and Tano uh, rotating in uh, along with Ogba to, to really have a nice you know set of fresh legs at, at all times so I don't know that there's going to be a set there's going to be a lot of different packages and so I don't think it's really um it's really going to be the same combinations uh, all the time, other than that initial base, you know, Okafor, Clark, Nadi, Jones. Uh, you know, those are those are obviously pretty much set in stone. I think everybody else can can be put together in a lot of different ways, uh, which I think is a real good thing. 
Yeah. No, I think that's fair. I think it, and you're right. It is a good thing. They're going to have a lot of buys to throw at people, and depends on if they keep eight or nine. And you're, to your point, you know, how many do they wind up keeping active on game day? Like, there's a lot of questions up in the air. But from the, the, the from the pool of players that they have to work with at this point and the competition there, I really like that. I think you know they're going to come out of this with a really solid, healthy rotation. And uh, it's reason to be excited because I do think this will be one of the strengths of this team. And I do think a few guys will come out of this uh, with some with some really solid seasons. And hopefully it's guys that will count on the compensatory formula next year if you catch my drift. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah, I had to go there. Uh, last question. Missouri Geology asks, does no one think Mahomes can average three touchdowns a game? Seriously, I say he does. Give it a think. Time's yours. I like the end of that. What do you think, Stag? So he he did it once, <clears throat> and he's a better quarterback now than he was then. He's got more weapons now than he did then. Uh, another year in the league. Yeah, abs- absolutely he can. There's there's really not a question there. I mean, I, I think this assumption of regression to the mean um, assumes a lot of things and, and – it doesn't take into account the way this guy has gone about his business and how he's prepared and how he's improved on all the little things that come along with being the leader and being part of that position. And then it, it's also, uh, you know, not taking into account the coaching staff that he has uh, and the talent that he has around him from a skill position uh, basis. So, yeah, he's he's done it once before. There's no reason to think he's going to be anything but better this year. Uh, so absolutely put, put me down for the over. Yeah, I think he absolutely can average three. I think he could average six if the league was going to put him in a situation to have to do it. That's just it, though. I think the defense is going to be do- good enough to not give him the opportunity to average three every single game. And opposing teams' offenses are going to try to control the clock, control the ball. There's going to be some games where the Chiefs maybe only score only four touchdowns, but three of them are rushing just the way the game plays out and the defense doesn't make them need to score 40 points to win to just bring that average down. So it's a difference between kind of like what he can do and how I think the season will play out because he easily can throw three touchdowns a game. We've seen it once. Three's not that many based on what we've seen, but a couple extra stops a little less time of possession as offenses try to hide the ball from the Chiefs offense. I could easily see him falling to that three. Like That was my guess. I think earlier we did a prediction thing in this offseason. I think I went right at 48 touchdowns for Pat Mahomes, which would be three touchdowns a game. So I'm right there with the push. You're right. Guys, there could did- be some games with three Carlos Hyde touchdowns and the Chiefs <laughs> squeak out a win. I can't wait for that day. And Bearcat will be furious. Bearcat will be furious <laughs> if Carlos Hyde scores three touchdowns in a game. <laughs> Guys, I have a I have a Mahomes stat for you. Did some really intensive research, real deep dive, kind of looking into some of the you know uh, growth of Patrick Mahomes. 2017, guys, Patrick Mahomes threw for zero touchdowns. 2018, <laughs> Patrick Mahomes threw for 50 touchdowns. If he continues at that pace, he's going to throw 100 this year, guys. So, yeah, three three touchdowns a game, maybe three touchdowns a half. The trend <laughs> is your friend, Ken. Yeah. The trend is your friend. Uh, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Uh, a very special Summer of Stags edition. Probably the most handsome uh, group that we've had on this show ever. 
A special thanks to Stags. Thanks to Maddie. Craig no, will be back next week. Go ahead. Oh, go. No, close it out. You're no. good. No, it's Maddie. Good. Maddie, you know what? You close the show out, my friend. I don't even want to go close it. it out. I just want to remind everybody that Stags was on with me and Craig once before, so I'm not so sure about calling this the most handsome nerd squad trio of all time. <laughs> I said what I said. Craig can't have everything. He can't be the man of many talents and also be the most handsome member. I'm just going to say. He's the second most handsome, but have you met him? Yeah, the personality really does pop. (laughs) Stags, do you have anything else to say? No, man. Thanks for having me on. It's been a fun summer. Uh, Looking forward to my favorite time of year, which is roster cut time. Uh, and, uh, (laughs) and And then start the draft prep, right? Yeah, no. God, you guys heard it here first. Stags loves it when guys' days are ruined. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> we got to end there. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll catch you later. <laughs>